0: Welcome to the podcast of Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover, and as you may have noticed, our TGIF regular, Tommy Dean, has been missing from our panel. He's back in America for a couple of months. And while we've missed him on TGIF, he's instead been joining us with a weekly Letter from America. So if you're keen on catching up with him, stay listening at the end of this podcast for Tommy Dean's Letter from America. But first, this week's TGIF. We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that
1: may offend some listeners. Thank God it's...
0: Welcome to the Lindley Evans Music Studio at the ABC in Ultimo for thank God it's Friday. And with the music this week, it's singer songwriter Alex Leahy. Yeah. Please welcome her. I'm Richard Glover. Let's meet the panel. It's Bridie Connell, Jean Kitz, Carlo Ritchie. Yeah. And our audience this week drawn from Tweedheads, Beeger, Marlborough, England, Bridge, Maitland, and Glenbrook. Yeah. Yeah. First, as always, here is the news from nowhere. It's barbecue season and I look up from a sizzling fry pan and I see my oldest son is in trouble. He's in the middle of a conflagration. Flames leap from his barbecue, sending him reeling. Spurts of hot, fat arc into the air, igniting further flames. He's grown up now, his own house. Batboy is more than my match in so many ways, But here at last is a roll for the older Australian male. I step in and take command of his tongs. I pull the sausages to safety, nipping in from side to side to avoid the worst of the flames. Deftly, I give each a half spin as I slide them across, resting the already blackened side. My hands dance with the tongs, flashing through the air like a conductor's baton. (laughs) I don't know how to cook them, Dad, Bad boy says, as the firestorm abates. If I put them on the heat, they incinerate. But if I leave them on the side, they won't cook at all. Oh, son. (laughs) Son, son, son. (laughs) It's the weekend and for some reason we have offered to cook breakfast for half the neighbourhood. He's doing the sausages while I do the rest. You've just got to muddle through, I tell him as I run back to the stove. I know it's not much of an answer... In the Bible, life's lessons are taught by reference to whatever is closest to hand. Fishing, locust plagues, lightning strikes. I think about the opportunity I have just let slip by. The chance to tell my son about all of life by reference to the Australian art of the barbecue. Vanquish self-doubt, for it is thy enemy. That's how I should have started my lesson. <laughs> For verily, children, the doubting man doth turn his stake again and again. He does this just to see how it is going, and in so doing he loseth all its juice. His steak will be rendered tough and leathery, as will the steak of his wife and that of his children and that of his children's children. <laughs> to barbecue well is to find self-mastery, to silence the doubting, anxious voice. The stake should be turned once, and only once, in life as in barbecuing. You need to have faith. And verily we come to the second lesson. The way forward is often through the messy middle. While the steak teaches us about decisiveness, the sausage speaks instead of activity and engagement. <laughs> Do not leave thy sausage in flames, my son, for there it will become sorely burnt and memories of its charcoaly taste will be long remarked upon within your home. Yet do not instead leave your sausage on the cool edge of the barbecue, for there it will remain uncooked, and sickness and pestilence will be visited (laughs) upon your family, and verily you will never hear the end of it. Instead, show thy sausage the flame, so that it may give up its fatty bits, but then move it on in barbecuing sausages, As in living life, you need to keep moving. And so we come to the third lesson. Triumphant is the man who plans ahead. Verily does the wise man lift his gas bottle and test its weight. (laughs) Well before the festivities begin. And if the weight is found lacking, he doth visit the local petrol station. (laughs) Scorn, by contrast, shall greet the man whose gas runneth out just as the doorbell goeth, and sixteen people march in and demandeth lunch. Lesson four. Valour means nothing if the right weapons are not selected for the battle. Do not shrug and look distracted when I talk to you about your tongs or when I pose the crucial question, long tong or short tong? Only a fool arms himself with a short tongue when a long tongue is required. (laughs) Such a man will find himself defeated. His meats will be burnt. His friends will be sorely intoxicated and his forearms will carry the mark of a terrible singeing. (laughs) Give yourself the burnt bits. Perfection cannot be achieved on a barbecue. That's the point. All that can be hoped for is that you give it a good shot in barbecuing as in life. And strangely, there is pleasure to be had from the burnt bits and even from the bits that are a little underdone. Mm -hmm. Standing before my fry pan, I realise that all life's lessons can be learnt from the Australian art of the barbecue. Forget the Confucian wisdom of the Tang emperors. This is the wisdom of the Tong dynasty. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the news from nowhere. Barbecue season! Get cooking! Get cooking. I
2: like, I like the wisdom of that and yes. all your messages. I and I don't have I don't have sons, as you know, I have daughters, uh, but I, I think I can use some of those messages. Show the sausage the flame is obviously <laughs> a <laughs> lesson I could hand on. But, but
0: enough about their boyfriends. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Let, we have Bridie Connell, Jean Kitson and, uh, and Carlo Ritchie with us. Now, let's just check. Before we go any further, that you're up with this week's news. Who wants to talk turkey when accused of
3: being chicken? Well, this has nothing to do with the barbecue, beautiful no. story that you just told us. No, this is about uh, President Trump. Up to as usual, there were a lot of eye rolls just then <laughs> when I said those words. Uh, yes, this is a story of President Trump who's decided to remove American troops from Northern Syria, the Kurdish region, which has raised a lot of eyebrows because the Kurds have been very strong allies to America over the years. So a lot of people are not very happy about it. Turkey has already rolled into this area. Things are not looking good. Okay, but he said he did
0: this action with his, and I quote from the President's own words, his great and unmatched wisdom Mm -hmm. were used. (laughs) His great and unmatched wisdom. This Why from the man is who, a man who once called himself a very stable genius.
2: <laughs> I know, great and unmatched wisdom. That was part of his tweet. Yeah. He said, I, I, might, I might just quote the whole yeah. tweet. Hey, just, I'll, tweet. Just, yeah. I'll give you the tweet. So um, you know, he's sta- he's he's replying to all the people who have been criticizing. He said um he he said here's his tweet. As I have stated strongly before, and and just to reiterate, if Turkey does anything that I, in my great and unmatched wisdom, <laughs> consider to be off-limits, I will totally destroy and obliterate the economy of Turkey. I've, and in brackets, I've done before. So let's, <laughs> let's unpack this. So certainly great and unmatched wisdom just calls to mind the Wizard of Oz, Mm -hmm. really, because, you know, the great and the powerful Wizard of Oz there. And then there's Trump's offer to destroy and obliterate the Turkish economy, Mm. whereas, like, I don't know why he's doubling up. (laughs) Really? One would do? (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm. You could destroy it? I am quite impressed he knows the word obliterate. To be well,
2: honest? Yeah, maybe that's what happened. He suddenly he suddenly got the thesaurus out to destroy, <laughs> found obliterate, and thought, I'm gonna put that in <laughs> So he's destroying it and then he said, as I've done before, well when did he do it? Well, before? I think
0: it's a reference to Iran, I think.
2: Oh, run! He, well he, he said, said he'd yeah. destroy and obliterate. Oh, as I've done before with another country. With another country, yeah. <laughs> See, he put in obliterate, which may, may meant he ran out of characters. Yeah. He meant obliterate
3: it, Turkey. It could be like a Thanksgiving dinner gone wrong, <laughs> <laughs> maybe.
2: <laughs> Meanwhile, there's all these people who, who for years have been shouting out, troops out, troops out, and now they're chanting, troops in, <laughs> <Yes>. troops in. <laughs> and which is really America confusing. should stay out of these
0: foreign clients. America should come into these foreign
2: Yeah, now. it's so confusing. It I don't confusing. know which side the soldiers are going to fight on It's like right a now. global
3: political hokey pokey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, you know,
2: like they say in the Middle East, the enemy of my friend's enemy's friend is no friend of mine. <laughs> and I hope that's clear.
0: That's all you need to know Middle Eastern politics. Yeah. What do you reckon, Carlo? He's, 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 he's done it again.
4: Yeah, look, I mean, call me crazy, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe he's talking sense. No, uh, obviously I joke. It's funny, I, I I do like the idea that maybe Trump is has swung to anarchism and really does, not, not only wants to destroy an economy, but... Wipe out the idea of economy in general, you know? Get rid of money. And he's just going to really instate And He'll be a new the only one with, it with money. Yeah, well, so exactly. Be be worth more. Oh, yeah. You've got to love a, uh, you know, when the whole world is blind, you know, <laughs> and in one eye. You, yeah,
3: you, know, yeah. you know what I will say? His tweets, you know, we've got this tweet about his great and unmatched wisdom. He's got ones, like you said, Richard, where he describes himself as a very staple genius and the chosen one and great looking and smart. These are all real tweets. It reminds me of an app I downloaded on New Year's Day in a flurry of optimism set in my resolutions, which is a meditation and affirmation app. And every morning you look at yourself in the mirror and you're supposed to say, I'm strong and I'm capable. And I feel like he's taken this to an extreme because at least when I do my affirmation, it's not going to have results of, you know, people yeah. going to war. Yeah. I think the idea is good. Self-confidence is great, but we passed the limit a long time ago, Donald. So, well,
0: what are the sort of things your app says? You know, they haven't, they haven't cancelled tonightly. Is that the sort
3: of thing? <laughs> I'm living in a delusion. Now, the key part was that I said I downloaded it in the flurry of optimism of New Year's. January was a long time ago. I have not practised these affirmations in a while, Richard. <laughs> That's because you're not a flake.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, second question from this week's news. Who passed the buck when it came to being past a buck? Who passed the buck when it came to being passed This is an interesting
2: story. This is the story of um, the boss of New South Wales Labor, Jamie Clements. Exactly. It's it's the ongoing saga of the $100,000 cash in the Audi bag. Mm. And it's getting more and more murky and more and more sleazy and more and more corrupt and we just love it, don't (laughs) we? It's got it all. It's got everything. So now Jamie Clements is denying the Audi bag and, and throwing his deputy under the bus, mm-hmm. m- what's her name, Mil- Kayla yeah, Mil- yeah. Manet. Manet. Yeah, yeah. She, he's throwing her under the bus saying she knows about it but he doesn't Do we know we know the brand of the
0: bus? Because we've seen the brand of everything else.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and And then he's, in, and anyway, apparently, according to him, she hates his guts. So that's a weird thing to say. My deputy hates my guts. Isn't that a weird thing when you're working with someone? Who who says words like that? I hate, she hates Quite my guts. Quite Shakespearean, really? She hates <laughs> my guts. Though I. He hate doth
0: you hate said, my guts, <laughs> Your Honour. Shoot,
2: I, I suspect. Yeah, but I can't do that. Anyway, but and now, so in denying the bag, now he's admitted to like 35000 in a wine box for his legal fees for a sexual harassment thing at work. Uh, and then. So he and, opens
0: this wine box. It's got, presumably, he has got 12 bowls of wine in it. I don't know, but it's Got thirty five thousand dollars in cash given by the Chinese billionaire. It's the
3: first oh, yeah, time we've got I've to talk heard about of the those. Chinese billionaire. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, political intrigue, international scandal. It really, really exactly. does deliver.
4: But look, as anybody knows, when you buy a twelve box of wine, you really want to make sure that it's packed in a way that they don't rattle. Oh. And, th- and thirty five thousand dollars is an excellent way to do that. It's almost the exact amount of money you need. Do you
3: know what I've realized as we discuss this story? Is that um, <laughs> clearly my tastes have not developed progressed much since leaving uni because when I read about this in the box of wine, I just thought it meant, like, a goon box and <laughs> <laughs> instead, of, instead of a case, a carton yeah, so of wine, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. This, this is quite a lot of it. This is not a very big box. You're wondering
0: how <laughs> yeah. they got the $35,000 into the Orlando class.
3: <laughs> Shadow <laughs> <didn't laughs> cardboard, thank you.
2: Hidden around that, yeah. Well, where they say we're, you know, they keep telling us we live in a cashless society. Rubbish, yeah. <laughs> you know, like obviously, he's Jamie trouser. He, he doesn't only trouser the thirty five thousand. He got like seven hundred thousand for um, being not very good with details. Mm. That was a payment from Mister Huang Zhang Mo. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, I'm a certainly cracked, not it? game to correct you. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. That is
0: whatever happened to the brown paper bag? I mean, good premiers of this state like Robert Askin would accept their money only in a brown paper bag. Why is oldie Aldi bags much, and
3: boxes of wine. Much and... more eco-friendly. A brown paper bag yeah. as well. Mm. If you're going to be corrupt, let's think of the planet, people. That's what I've <laughs> always said. We don't want plastic. You know, there was a weird defence though. Uh, Clement said that uh, you know when he was talking about the Aldi bag, he said, "Oh well." actually to be clear i i did i did hear Audi bag instead of aldi bag and i'm like how is that he Cars thought it was a car manufacturer. A luxury car, like <laughs> yeah. a luxury car bag yeah. that
2: holds the umbrella in it, or something. No, I don't know. I didn't know. Maybe Audis maybe uh, go,
0: go so fast they've got plain sick bags in them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Let's
4: pop right. it in a bag when you finish buying it at the shop. You're like, Oh, I just wrap that up for you. Just <laughs> squeeze this on over the car.
3: So when he was thinking of an Audi bag, it was like as big as a car. <laughs>
4: yeah, All yeah, the cash. Yeah, yeah. yeah
2: that's
3: right. I'm disappointed if anything, it could fit a lot more cash oh. in, a, in an Audi and bag. Whoever. I
2: said labour wasn't good with money. Obviously wrong.
0: <laughs> Last question from this week's news: Who believes we need an escape from reality? An escape from reality that can only involve more reality.
4: Yes. Well, this is the the story of Network Ten, who are now owned by an American mm-hmm. uh, corporation, CBC. So, an American corporation, CBC, which I believe. Has corporation in it already? So a nice little <laughs> double use of corporation there. Uh, and this year they've, they've released next year's programming for Channel Ten, which is hugely dominated by reality TV programs.
0: Isn't that fantastic, oh. ladies and gentlemen? Isn't that great,
2: <laughs> <laughs> marvelous? I love them. Do you? I love reality TV shows. So,
0: so they're the ones who've got the they had such a success with the mass Singer. They're yeah. just thinking, let's just have let's more. Let's got... have so much of that.
3: Yeah, they got yeah. Dancing with the Stars. They got The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, The Bachelor in Paradise. Got the Bachelor jar inn- opening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd watch it at this point, you yeah.
0: know. They say yeah. they want. They've officially said this. They want. They want to be leaders in escapist entertainment.
3: But I don't understand how reality is escapist. By that logic, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. You need to escape from reality some reality.
4: You,
2: they, escape from your, you escape from your own reality oh. and you watch someone else's reality. <laughs> it's I, like peeking through at your neighbours through the Venetians. <laughs>
4: and yet when I pitched them my biopic on Houdini, didn't get up. You know, and that's the ultimate escapist. Really,
3: <laughs> <right? Yeah. laughs> you know what? Channel 10 also has Gogglebox, a show yeah, yeah. about watching people watch TV, uh, which is oddly compelling. But I wonder if we are hurtling towards you know, a a television landscape which is only reality TV and perhaps will go so far into reality TV that there will be at some point soon a show about one of the Gogglebox cast who then competes on Dancing with the Stars and then has to watch that performance on Gogglebox. I mean, we could really go for it here. Mm -hmm. But it's already happening. You know, that the
2: girl from Gogglebox, she's is the, the Bachelorette. bachelorette. <laughs> so like then, it. the Gogglebox will be got one of the girls from Gogglebox, which is a hilarious show. It is, yeah, it's good. It's yeah. hilarious she's now the Bachelorette. So will she watch it back? She'll be watching Gogglebox. Will be watching wow. someone from Gogglebox
4: watching her. Yeah, yeah. so
2: I think the medical. No, I'm pretty term sure is... she's also
0: the unicorn in the Masked Singer. I'm I pretty sure. So. Yeah.
2: <laughs> My brain hurts. There's so much. I tell you one show you shouldn't watch. That's the one with all the teeth whitening and the tats and the really bad bikinis. Talk about that's bad moons rising. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's
0: yeah, it's, that it's love it's island. Four, it's called Four Corners. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have Bridie Connell, Kitson and Carlo Ritchie on Thank God It's Friday. In a moment, stay listening because Carlo Ritchie, for the first time, is going to take on the Wheel of Death. Yeah, he, he, he has done things on. like Bear Pack, which is an entirely <laughs> improvisational show for hours on end. But will he be up to... The wheel of death, we shall see in just a second. Uh, But first, uh, this Australia is the best country in the world, according to those surveyed for the ABC's new Australia Talks Project. Well, 70% of Australians think it's the best country in the world, but clearly 30% are unconvinced. So what are the negatives of living in Australia that might be preventing those picky 30% from joining the rest of us in this state of unbridled patriotism? (laughs) Carlo Ritchie.
4: Look, I'm going to be honest with you. It's it's just the initial thing of an Australian study asking Australians (laughs) what they think is the best country in the world. I think you're already setting yourself up to some degree (laughs) of uh, conscious bias, perhaps. (laughs) Um, It turns out that 30%, I mean, I don't know, the ginger nuts are different in every state. Uh, ginger nut Truth. biscuits. Uh, Are they? Yeah, every state has a different recipe for, uh, for, for ginger nut biscuits and I think that's holding us back as a nation. Uh,
0: so that, that moment when we got the rail widths uh, nationalised and, and standardised, mm-hmm. standardized, we lot- should have done the same with the...
4: Oh, a lot of people were campaigning for the ginger nut too. Yeah, I was right up there with the rail lines with them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it just didn't happen. It wasn't our day. Do you,
2: who has a tough, you know, the hardest ginger nut?
4: I I feel like it's Queensland. Um, That's just totally from my own mouthfeel.
3: Right? Yeah, yeah. I think. Sorry. I was going to say that's ideal because the harder they are, the better to dunk in the tea. Yeah, but when they vary, I think that's why you can easily break it. Tooth mm. on a ginger nut. Or leave
0: it too long in the tea, in which case the bottom half drops off and tragedy. it's disaster. Mm. i get
3: got my parents tragedy. to send me ginger nuts from New Zealand because they're different there as well. Oh.
0: <laughs> so I, I think Carlos answered the whole issue. It's surprising <laughs> more of us aren't unhappy. Yeah, look. We've either got broken teeth or broken biscuits. <laughs>
2: exactly. Exactly. No wonder thirty percent
0: aren't happy. <laughs> well, um, yeah, yeah, why do you think we're unhappy thirty percent are unhappy? I mean, it's a well, I don't place. know,
2: they can't all live in Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, perhaps perhaps we have some sort of secret witness protection scheme going on in Australia where 30% come from somewhere else but (laughs) they can't let on because then they wouldn't be protected anymore. Do
0: you want to hear my my Adelaide story from... um... Yeah. Land before, my land before avocado book. Um, it's set in this story is set in 1976, and South Australia is the only state that has legalized homosexuality, and in the other states it's still illegal, and it's a really serious crime. So in Victoria, it's 14 years imprisonment. In Western Australia, it's 14 years plus hard labour imprisonment. These two guys in there's a classic case in Melbourne in 1975 where these two guys they're living together. They're very lovely men with kind of low horizons and I mean that in the best possible way, they're kind of lovely guys who are just living together, love each other pay- their main ambition in life is paying off their higher purchase furniture and someone dobbs on them and the police officer knocks on the door and they of course don't know that they're doing anything wrong so they admit all, he says are you home? I said, yeah we are where's your bedroom? Do you both sleep? Yes we do and so they end up in front of the judge and the judge is not an unreasonable guy but his hands are tied by the law of the time and so he, he finds them guilty, I mean they've confessed so he finds finds them guilty, he finds them, uh, but then he is a, he's, sort of, he's got the right heart in his right place, I think, so the judge does a plea bargain with him and says, it's a, we, I, won't, I won't imprison you as long as you agree to move to South Australia. And I just like the, my imagining of the moment in the courtroom with the young man saying, 14 years in prison or moving to Adelaide. Goes, Your Honour, give me a moment. <laughs>
2: That was Don Dunstan, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. Because Don yeah. Dunstan was a. Uh, there's people in the audience who are old, old enough to he remember. He had the shorts, no, didn't he? Yeah, the, the pink, pink shorts. The pink shorts. Yeah, he oh. just he was he was a remarkable man. He was a fabulous person. Yeah, well,
0: it took everyone else years. To, yeah,
2: it yeah. took them years. Yeah. Anyway, so right. So, so I the, haven't got anything more bad to fact say about Adelaide. No. all so the what fact else, what that, else?
0: Why is the thirty percent unhappy?
2: Well, they could all be the they could be the thirty percent teenagers. Who um, don't like any con- continent they have to share with their parents <laughs> on their parents' couch? Um, maybe some of. They would like
0: to send all the, the old people to Tasmania. Oh no, that's her- already happened. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> we could just go
0: through the states. We've attacked Queensland, South Australia, now Tasmania. Yeah, Who's I left? know, we
2: could. We you could watch we could. out
4: West Australia. Yeah. <laughs> We're coming for you. <laughs>
2: Um, well, maybe maybe the thirty percent are hippies who live in you know like bong country and um you but know they'd be who, happy wouldn't they? No, they reject everything about australia's capitalist materialist f- materialist vaccination society, <laughs> except for maybe Centrelink <laughs> but, <laughs> i don't know why people so it's, but i mean seventy percent like like Carlo said seventy percent agreeing you know is pretty that's pretty good it's yeah. pretty good we can't even it's agree. it's a pretty good place though. Yeah, but we can't even agree, you know, what football code to follow. We can't even agree <laughs> how many times to flip the stake that you were talking about <laughs> earlier. You
0: That's know. not different according to different states.
2: <laughs>
3: no, but, but, but it means no. we're agreeing on, so there's a I don't lot know of, why I said it now. A lot now, of it's causes of disagreement. Me. I yeah. can think of a simple improvement. I, I love Australia so much that I moved here from a different country, mm. but I don't. Love a sunburnt country. To be perfectly honest, I'm a very pale person. If Australia could roll out a few more large shade cloths, then that would swing me over, and I would you'd get my vote. So
0: you, we need the clouds from the land, the yes, island please. of the long the white long cloud. Light cloud. Yeah. Bring
3: some of them over. <laughs> I don't think any, anybody but
2: Dorothy McKellar loved a sunburnt country. <laughs> and only her, she loved the droughts and flooding plains. Nobody else did. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't have to sit on the barn roof and, you know, watch the cows float
3: by or put in a crop and watch, them, watch it all die. You know, like, yeah, the updated what. version of that poem in today's climate crisis might be slightly different, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Forget it. Yeah, now,
0: um, uh, The Wheel of Death, ladies and gentlemen. <gasps> The Wheel of Death?
3: Yeah. yeah. Are we up for the Wheel of
0: Death? Uh, well, when our lovely audience came into our little studio here at the ABC in Ultimo, they threw these random topics onto this chocolate wheel. Today's topics are water, occasional nudity, uh, <laughs> headwear, one long-distance running, sparkles, Christmas, TV, the country show, uh, Deliveroo, arts, uh, exams, waffles... Gee, it's a very eclectic list. Yeah. Mm. Are, are you all mad? Uh, waffles, science, and wheelbarrows.
4: All all topics very close to my heart. Yeah, yeah. You know, Which yeah.
0: one? Which one fills you most? Full of fear.
4: Um. Oh, good. Really, all of them. Probably all of them. I'd say. <laughs> yeah. To be fair. <laughs> Let's swing the wheel round and round and round it goes. Come on, pops. wheelbarrows.
0: Oh, no one knows today's topic for Carlo Ritchie. For the wheel of death is Deliveroo. 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 (laughs) Who's was Deliveroo? Thank you very much. (laughs) The man there in the T-shirt with the large thing on his back. Yeah, Okay. (laughs) Deliveroo.
4: Well, look, I'm going to be honest with you all. I regret years ago not painting my own idea for Deliveroo. Back in the year 2004, we had a couple of very tame kangaroos. I grew up in a small town called Gleninus. And I said, what if we get these kangaroos to start delivering supplies around the town? And I tell you what, I had to fight pretty hard against the mayor and then the state and then eventually the nation. Uh, But we eventually got those kangaroos out to working. Uh, They were delivering mail, parcels, medicines, uh, batches of biscuits. You name it, we had those kangaroos out every day. Um, Boomer. Little Joe, <laughs> Suzanne, and Susan Junior. Um, also, the artist formerly known as Buffy. Uh, they were five great kangaroos, great patriot national kangaroos, and boy, could they deliver a parcel! And not a bad word from either of them, uh, you know, uh, from any of them. They were they were wonderful kangaroos, and I thought, what if I took this nationally? And I started thinking about how am I going to get kangaroos out there on the road? How am I going to make big kangaroo profitable? I mean, there's a pizza place in, in Glen Innes, but there's two pizza places in Armidale. I mean, I could have twice as many kangaroos working the books. Uh, you know, take this to Tamworth. Why well, I could have four, I could have forty kangaroos just buffing them up. I could have them polishing down my car. I could have a whole crazy business idea and i tell you what it was it was going places um but you know then the economy took a dive and i had to let uh, most of the kangaroos go um uh it, w- it was hard particularly on Suzanne junior um, <laughs> she was certainly my favorite of the kangaroos and she had a she had a real hot spot you know she was she was, every once in a generation, there's a kangaroo who can deliver like, like no other kangaroo. And, and Suzanne Jr., uh, there was a sparkler I used to go out every morning to the cottage i had built for her. And, <laughs> and I would say, Suzanne Jr., one day, one day if this crazy world changes, I will make you my bride. And, <laughs> and she would look into my eyes and... She wouldn't say anything, but she would stare off or maybe eat some grass or various things from my hand. And and I I, I, I would know that there was a simpatico there. There was a simpatico with Suzanne Jr., but she was the hardest to let go. It was a day that I'll never forget, just walking out and telling Suzanne she had to pack up her desk. Her, Her funny clock, which we used to have so many laughs about down at the water cooler her photographs from her trip to Bali. <laughs> and uh, I said, Suzanne Junior, I, I just don't have the work for you anymore. There's, people don't want, don't want deliveries from kangaroos. They're getting very sick. And, uh, <laughs> and that was the last I ever saw her. Um, and then a few years later, I, I saw that there was a company where people delivered food on bicycles or motorbikes. And I think that that probably was the way to do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it a lot, bit, it a lot easier on my heart, you know. <laughs> Good, Hello, Richie. Who are you?
0: On the wheel of death. Uh, does he die, ladies and gentlemen? Does he die? No. He lives.
4: Thank God it's Friday with Richard Glover.
0: There was, there was a lot of uh, northern tablelands in that story, Glen Innes and Armadale and Tamway, you know, where, where, where did you grow up?
4: Uh, in the true northern state. you know, One day uh, in Glen Innes, a <laughs> little town called Glen Innes, yeah. um, in the heart of what will one day be its own free state. Because um, there, is a,
0: there has always been a move on to make, in fact Barnaby Joyce mentioned it the other, a move on to make some sort of territorial ambition. Yes, well, man- Would you have your own gum
4: nuts or what? Oh, yeah, you've got to have gum nuts in a steak. Gum right? nut to biscuits. Go. We have I mean, our own ginger nuts. Ginger yeah, nut yeah, biscuits, Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Would you have your own ginger nut biscuits? And they'd be twice as hard. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, there was a big movement. In 1967, there was even a referendum, uh, which we lost by 4%, because um, mm-hmm. they included Newcastle uh, in, in that. In oh, the you don't want that. Oh, no, no, you don't. And I, and that's why I never go to Newcastle. Um, <laughs> Which makes it very difficult to catch the train north. Um, <laughs> you have to sort of get off and cycle a very long way around.
0: But why do you want, why do you want your own state up there?
4: Oh, you know, it just... Uh, I realise that I'm preaching this in, in, a, in <laughs> Sydney, in <laughs> an audience from, mostly from Sydney, but, you know... It's no, a, I'm
0: sorry, they're drawn from Tweed Heads, Marlborough, England, Falconbridge, Maitland and Glenbrook.
4: That's all the Patriot states right there. <laughs> No, oh, look, you know, it's a, it's a. Sydney is a very long way away from Glen Innes at the, at the, in the, on even a good day. Um, in fact, it doesn't change that distance. Um, but you know, it, and that makes it very hard for people in small towns to get the services and. Uh, well, you could set yeah. your own rules, too. If you wanted to ban deliveroo, human delivery, you could. That's right. We could have a kangaroo economy. And, um, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big advocate for that. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> now, on Thank God It's Friday, it is school holidays and round the state, the hills and the valleys are alive with the sound of children complaining, saying, Mum, I'm bored, bored. <laughs> to which their answer, their parents answer, as is traditional, well, only boring people get bored, <laughs> Susan Junior. Um, <laughs> when, when you were a kid, how did you entertain yourself during school holidays and were your parents any help when you said, Mum, I'm bored? Jean Kitson. <laughs> well,
2: uh, no, our parents weren't any help because there was nothing they could really do if you were bored, but... I really remember being bored. I don't think I got bored till I was a teenager, growing up in a town that didn't have a cinema, didn't have you know, like and I was too young to drink. I couldn't go to the hotels. There was nothing for teenagers to do. That's when I got bored. This was in
0: Victoria, right?
2: Yeah, that was in Sorrento, in yeah. a town called Sorrento. So it was, that was a holiday place. So people went there for their school holidays. And that's when the cinema would open and things like that. But
0: But the rest of the time?
2: Rest of the time, well, I don't even remember being bored so much because we played. Like when we were kids, like little kids, we just played. So we'd go out on our bikes on dangerous country roads and and we'd go, if, if we wanted a bit of a thrill, we'd go to the local cemetery and we'd read all the, you know, the, and we'd look at the broken graves and just freak out and make up stories and then we'd look at the baby's graves and we'd have a cry and then we'd go to Dame Nellie Melba's grave, which was behind this hedge, and we'd smoke. And um, then we'd, and she'd you know, get
0: out of the grave and <laughs> tour she'd, again. She'd <laughs>
2: sing a song, <laughs> sent Radio, Santa Rancora. That's what she had on her grave, which I didn't realise meant goodbye without regrets or something like that. Oh, no, from wow. La Boheme. Yes. Gee, who
0: needs an Xbox? This sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Bikes and adventures and we were mushroom picking, getting chased by bulls. Now I'm back in the Yarra Valley. I've left Sorrento oh. now. But, but actually it was the other way around. So I grew up in the country like you, Carla, like plenty of, you know, bulls. And oh, animals yeah. and orchards and Glen Innes. I've been to Glen You've got your own, they like, stonehenge. They keep stone asking henge. when you're coming back. Yeah, <laughs> oh, they no. They keep, oh, no. Do they? No, they say, please keep that woman away <laughs> from us. You say speak.
0: the word bull as if you've never heard the term before. You, no, you're it, uncertain then as to how
2: to bulls, identify the animal.
3: Well, I could They're say... they different things in each state. That's right,
2: mm. you <laughs> <see>? Well, the, <laughs> that's right. And also, you know, like... Because one day I stayed on a farm with my friend and then there was all hell broke loose because the breeders got in with the milkers. So you, no one calls them really cows. They've got, they've, there's a whole lot of subcategories, like breeders and milkers. So when the breeders, which are the Brahmins, got in with the milkers, that was, that was that would have been a disaster because you don't want your milkers to get pregnant and stop giving milk. Is that right? I have no idea. You're listening to (laughs) the Nazis. I have no idea. But Brahmins. Also, you know, like Brahmins have a pizzle the size of a Volkswagen, and you don't want to see that when you're young either. They do. It's absolutely. So I was never bored, no.
0: (laughs) Bridie Connell, were you bored, and were your parents any help?
3: Oh, look, I do remember a few times my mother did give me that line of only boring people get bored, and that would plunge me at the age of seven into a deep existential crisis about not only was I bored but I had no hope of ever becoming an interesting person because I was fundamentally boring. But my beautiful parents, uh, I, I also grew up in the country um, and in school holidays, you know, my, my town was tiny so I totally relate to that. There was not um, always heaps to do. If we were in town, it was a different story. But if we were at the farm, there wasn't a lot to do and I always had so many different creative ideas in my head. And so as a present when I was about nine or ten, I think, um, my gorgeous parents built a stage in one of our wool sheds that we didn't use very much, and so I opened my own theatre company on the farm. <laughs> and uh, I really multitasked. I wrote and directed and starred in the shows. I also had a, a we had a, like a teeny tiny little. Um, corrugated iron shed, which I made Dad put on the back of the ute and take to the front of the wool shed, and I made a little box office sign oh. for it. And so oh. I would be behind the box office. I charged 20 cents, my beautiful performances. Then I would open the door. Then I would hurriedly go and get into costume and do my one-woman shows. So um, I wasn't bored. I think the audience may have been often. Who <laughs> made up the audience? Uh, my older brother, who was... Very patient. He's have patience of a saint. Real
4: patron of that theatre. Oh, I mean, absolutely. You know, coming <laughs> back,
0: <laughs> forced to by my mother. mother. So the audience is your brother, your mm. mother, and your father. Uh, yes. And three sheep.
3: Yeah. Well, actually, my lamb Daffy did come <laughs> often to watch my shows. Did, with this lamb Daffy,
0: did you, by any chance, build her a house and offer to marry her? <laughs>
3: Hearing that story about Suzanne Jr., I, I feel like uh, I've really missed a trick there so Carlo.
4: You haven't lived until you've looked into the loving eyes of a kangaroo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Carlo, were you, were you ever bored up in this paradise that you're describing of, of the country called New England?
4: Oh, look, you know, um, I, was, I was just talking about this the other day with some friends of mine in a game that I had forgotten that we invented, which I guess shows some degree of the boredom that we had as kids. We had this game when I was 17, so I was on my way to being a full adult and we had a game where there was an an old drain on the main road and the game was you would jump onto that drain patch, a sort of square of cement, and wave at the next car to come along. And if they waved at you, you got a point. Yeah. Uh, and, then, uh. and then as soon as the car went, you jumped off and someone else jumped on quickly because each car was about, you know, two to three minutes in between. Yeah. And, uh, oh, you'd get up to 20, 30, 40 points. Did you often win, Carlo? Because I think you probably would have. I, 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 You know, I've got a good wave. A good wave. <laughs> um, Approachable
3: presence. Maybe this is where our active imaginations come from. You yeah. know.
2: Because yeah. you've just reminded me, my friend and I, we always put on shows. You know, we'd put on we'd put on poetry recitals. But we had a few more neighbours, so we'd make, and they were all elderly, so we'd make them come ar- come around. And then we'd we'd put on shows. And I remember one day we put on an autumn poetry reading, um, and her brother got up on the roof, and he, at a certain point, he had to drop autumn leaves <laughs> down on us, and and before it happened, it rained and all the autumn leaves we'd collected on the roof filled up the gutters and we got into so much trouble because <laughs> all the gutters, you know, got blocked and the dad was up there in the rain. And and this same friend, I remember another reason I wasn't bored, because, because she was such an interesting friend. She had an older brother and sister, which I didn't have, so she told me about sex and demonstrated. And she... I mean, we had our clothes on. We are only, like, six or something. And then, and then she told me about Father Christmas and the Tooth Fairy and then she showed me a human brain that was in a pot in the garage. Oh, wow. <laughs> which we must Her-
4: never speak of again.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true.
4: There was
0: a father, a serial killer.
2: <laughs> no, he was a doctor.
4: <laughs> Just took it
0: home, yeah. Oh, that, that doesn 't yeah. need to be anywhere Jean 's Jean's, uh, elderly audience is now being considered by the aged, the Royal Commission <laughs> to aged care. Yeah. get <laughs> another example of abuse
2: i don 't know why we didn 't use a brain you know that would have been a Good prop. A it, good prop.
4: It, well, a friend of mine in Barham Junction years ago, they had an old like talking about finding strange stuff in your house they had this little hillock out the front of their house that they decided one day to get rid of and build a garden there in front of the house. And they dug into it and it was a World War II flamethrower that had been buried in their front yard. Oh,
0: nice. Yeah. Life (laughs) in the city is starting to look pretty boring, isn't it? (laughs) Don't you think? Um, Now, Japan Airlines uh, has introduced a new booking system that allows you to see where babies are sitting. Have you seen this? There's a little icon of a child's face so you can sit as far away as possible. Uh, When it comes to avoiding annoying passengers, what other icons would you like to see? Just quickly, Jenkinson.
2: Oh, so if someone um, drinks a lot and therefore has to go to the toilet a lot and they're sitting the other side of you and you're on the aisle, there may be a drip. <laughs> so, you know, don't sit next to the person who's going to climb over you the entire trip to get to the loos. Um Someone who puts their seat back, mm. maybe just have um, something, an uh, uh, um, ass Hobble, <laughs> if I can say. Like, an, um, this person will put their seat back, and that means you choose the seat in front of them. So, when they put their seat back, you put your seat back, and then you just flick your hair all over their orange <laughs> juice or something like that. <laughs> and then the, the person who um, wants to talk, nobody wants to talk on planes anymore. We don't. You but know, what's the icon for them? A mouth. My <laughs> <laughs> mouth. Dribbling? No, that's, that's 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 if anyone sits next to me because I always fall asleep on takeoff, and then I'm always sitting up, and I've always got my mouth open, and then I wake up and I'm dribbling. It's really horrible. So
0: Don't if, sit you, if next you go to on me. the gym, there's a picture of Gene Kitson, you know what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> uh, Bridey Connell, what what icons do you want to see? I want
3: to see a. Uh, uh, A broken love heart, that's what I want to see, because on a flight where I was in the window seat, so couldn't get up and down very easily, I definitely sat down next to a couple who proceeded to spend the next 12-hour flight to Dubai breaking up. (laughs) (laughs) It started quite entertainingly, to be honest. I was like, I can get behind this. I don't need to watch a movie. I'm just going to pretend that I'm listening to something on my headphones. And after a while, oh boy, no thank you, relationship counselling is not the career for me me. That's what I want to see.
0: How long did the breakup take? Oh, Hours?
3: I mean, they stopped for a little sleep. They're not animals, but then they came back to breaking <laughs> up when they woke up.
0: Carlo, what's, what, what are the uh, passengers' icons you want to see?
4: I would love to see one of a mouth with little food there for loud chewers. Oh, uh, I think good. when you're trapped in a very small space, just the sound of a, of a very open mouth chew yeah. Really, just gets right into you. Because there's a lot of food on those flights, isn't there? Constantly oh, yeah. Here, oh, yeah. It, you find out that it's non stop when someone chews loudly beside you, that's for sure. Oh. So, there, is that why they hand out the headphones? it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, just... So, there's a dull white noise throughout the plane, just masking the mastication of 100 people. <laughs> oh.
0: that, that word was mastication, ladies and gentlemen. Gene, who were the winners and losers of this week?
2: Oh, well, I actually asked the audience, and can I say, um, they were very helpful. And I think rugby is a loser because you can only take a crate of beer and a (laughs) bottle of scotch and no, no, I've got something wrong there. Rugby is... Bathurst is a loser because a typhoon has... No, something about a typhoon, something about rugby and and Bathurst. But the
0: thing about Bathurst is people go, because you're only allowed one slab of beer, right, so people go in the middle of the year. And they go and dig a hole in Bath- on, the, on the hill Sounds and they, like bur- a- they, bury, they bury a slab of beer and then they mark the spot with the treasure map and then they come back this weekend and they dig up their dig it, slab Richard, I
3: love that you're whispering. We're what? on air. <laughs> <laughs> the whole country can hear people, I don't want
0: to tell too many people a secret. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want people in the gorgeous state of New England to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> Who
3: Sounds-
0: are the winners and losers? Bridie?
3: Uh Cows. Six of them in particular. Six cows in Japan that were part of a study. Did you read it this, These This my winners. <laughs> oh, really? This absolutely tickled me. So you can help me with the details you here. You put
0: three country people
3: on the <laughs> panel and this is the sort of crap you get. <laughs> Every answer is about cows! <laughs> no, Wait, <laughs> okay, you'll love really. this. I think oh. this is delightful. So there was a study in Japan that used six cows. They were trying to find a way to make cows less susceptible to getting insect bites in the height of summer. So they got six cows and they painted zebra stripes on them and the sort of erratic kind of pattern of the zebra stripes throws flies and other biting insects, throws them off a little bit. And so the cows that were painted were proven much less likely to get bitten. I think they got about half the bites. Yeah,
4: yeah. And they painted two white stripes and two with black stripes (laughs) just to try out which stripes would affect (laughs) flies more. It was a and cool that's why study. zebras evolved.
0: As they say, that's why zebras evolved with the stripes is because it does uh-huh. confuse insects. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. So, thereby cows are my winners and flies are the losers? Yeah, and if you don't like, it, if you <laughs> get bitten
0: by mosquitoes, try planting yourself with stripes. <laughs> uh, Carla, who the well, you've done the winner. So, who's the loser?
4: Oh, uh, my loser is the state of New South Wales at the moment with the re bringing back of uh, daylight savings. Um, oh boy. Tell you what, it's really thrown me a lot around uh, oh, this week. One hour, tell you what.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. You really are back to living in your own state, aren't you, Carlo? <laughs> Please thank Bridie Connell, Jim Kitchen, and Carlo Ritchie. <laughs> <clears throat> Thanks for being part of Thank Honest Friday next week. Richard Feidler, Gary Eck, and Rebecca De Unamuno will be here. Music from the original Seekers, they will be here. Check out the TJF podcast, which now includes Tommy Dean's weekly Letter from America. Until then, I'm Richard Guller. Thank God it's Friday! Now, with a special Letter from America with Tommy Dean. Yes, it is time for another Letter from America with Tommy Dean, our TGIF regular, as he returns to his homeland after two decades down under. Tommy, welcome back. I think it's uh, week four I think it's week four.
1: Are you sure? It it feels like year three. (laughs) Of this (laughs) going to a strange,
0: the strange,
1: the strange continent
0: that is America. I mean, is it strange to your eyes?
1: Uh, It is strange to my eyes. Eyes are the very, in fact, I live on a street that's kind of busy because it travels. I'm in the downtown area. I don't want to envision a CBD type situation, but imagine Sydney. In 1861. <laughs> it's busy like that. So this is small town America, isn't it, that you're in? But uh, yes, it's small. But I'm in the downtown area, technically in the midtown area. But the midtown area is two blocks from the downtown area, which curiously is only three blocks from the uptown. It's very condensed, but very specific.
0: So it's not a very, you know, it doesn't sound like a very urban environment. Is it, is it like, has it, has it got
1: wildlife? Oh, plenty of wildlife. Well, uh, nothing but wildlife. In fact, my backyard is overrun with the cuteness, week one, of squirrels. We have squirrels everywhere. What's that squirrel? What's that squirrel? <laughs> but then, uh, the second time they get into your trash and tear it out, that tone changes to squirrel. Squirrel. <laughs> And they're really brave. They're brave, you know. Um, do we have squirrels in Australia? I don't recall ever seeing a squirrel in no, Australia. No, we have, we have possums instead. Squirrels are like tiny, fast possums. <laughs> they sort of do all the same things, but in a faster, dartier, cuter sort of way. So they get up on you very fast, and if they think you're eating, they're not scared to come up and help themselves. Uh, which is curious. So they come up all the time. I sit out in my backyard. My backyard's on a hill and it overlooks the river. It's quite meditative. Uh, And there's a tree stump in the center of the yard. So I quite often sit on my thinking stump and just contemplate the river as it passes on down what life must have been like. And squirrels all the time. If I'm eating anything, squirrels are suddenly at your feet. Up your leg, grabbing things out of your hands. They're kind of like Bali monkeys, you know. They just, they're, not, they're not really up your leg, are they? Well, no. That's because I've taken to wearing pegged jeans like all the cool kids do. <laughs> but, no, they just get around your feet. You see them scampering. You know, they're kind of in and out. They're like pigeons, you know. They get up close, hope you drop something. And if you make a move, double check to make sure you're not going to kill them. But you get so used to these squirrels it's kind of coming out of nowhere that every time I see a little animal in the backyard, I'm just convinced it's another squirrel sneaking up on me. And the other day, I thought, "Oh no, what's this exotic thing that I've never seen before?" It's kind of coming up through the grass, but I can't quite make it out. But its eyes are glowing, and I'm a little bit nervous, going, oh, "I'm about to see something I've never seen huh? before." Sounds like a bear <laughs> or something. No, it was a it was a cat. <laughs> just the cats never come out. I just. <laughs> I suddenly realized that nobody around here seemed to have cats. My feeling is the squirrels killed them. Yeah. But, you know, it's that weird, funny of, uh, you know, you're so sure I was so on edge for this new, exciting adventure. And then, you know, just a tabby comes up. Hey, (laughs) is it clear? Can I get past the squirrels? I got to get home, man. It sounds absolutely. See, I've heard a lot about the gun crime. I didn't know there was anything as horrific as the squirrels, though. But they're so cute. You know, I think this is a mistake that the criminal class has just not really taken from the animal kingdom. Is The cuter you look, the more we're going to forgive the crime. Yeah. You know, you cover yourselves in hard leather and tattoos and angry scowls, but, you know, sort of a bushy tail and a bright attitude. That guy can scamper through my trash whenever he wants.
0: Good looking dogs get away with more
1: than bad looking dogs. Same it's principle. It's so true. Yeah, it's true. Bulldogs in trouble from the minute they're born. Those things are st- just terrible. <laughs> I can't with anything. Like breathing, even breathing is ugly for a bulldog. <laughs> but, but there's not many animals, so I get uh, lots of like backyard squirrels. We get lots of squirrels. Uh, I haven't really identified all the birds, but St. Louis, of course, uh, names all of its sports team Cardinals uh, because we have a preponderance of Cardinals in the area. So it's it's neat to see birds. Birds are birds, but you know they're just slightly different shapes. Like i my I not only overlook the river but I overlook a pub which has bright lights shining down into its parking lot, and the uh, insects gather in the masses which draw the birds in the masses uh so it's it's quite a it's quite a killing field now that I think about it he's <laughs> <laughs> actually overlooking a massacre. from the insect world it is deeply deadly at night around my house <laughs> i i didn't know a cardinal was a bird, is it? Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's, um, it's related to the Pell, <laughs> which is another bird that is best kept caged. It's black with white markings around the throat, is it? <laughs> yeah, the cardinal. The cardinal, the cardinal, the red bird. It's a red bird. It's like very much like a parrot, but red. Uh-huh. Hence the name. Ask Chris Bath. She knows so much more about birds.
0: (laughs) I know she knows American birds. Uh, Tommy Dean is here. Uh, Now, you know, for for, for regular listeners to the letter from America, we know that you've you've moved there for a few months just to uh, see your your, uh, child into high school and the sports team and all that in in, in this small
1: town. How's he going? How's Asher going? Is his sports career going well? So far, we are very excited to report he has taken up the sport of cross-country running. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, uh, we may have discussed before last time he had just gotten into it. I was a little bit boggled by it. It's, I believe the children sometimes rebel against their parents. Uh, and so I believe in a you know, sort of a reverse psychology way, I have set a very good example mm-hmm. by sitting very still, yep. which has convinced him that running is a good idea. <laughs>
0: All those hours you put in playing board games have finally paid off in this startling example of of, of, of being fleet of uh, foot.
1: uh, Fleet of foot, uh, long of endurance, and very good. He's very good at it. He just just took it up. He comes from a family. He he gets it from his mother's side. All of my wife's relatives are long-distance runners, so I'm assuming the gene pool passed down on that edge. But he is very good, and the coach spotted him last year, but due to the eligibility problems, he couldn't run. So in a bit of a lark and as an idea to get his fitness levels up for basketball, uh, he joined the cross-country team. And then, and I may be overstating this slightly, but from what I can tell, he has put the entire team on his shoulders and run them to their first-ever conference victory in the history of the school. That's the Australian genes. And this that's school... His mo- that's his mother's Australian genes, so I'm just saying we are great allies of America, and thanks yet again to the influx of Australian talent, wow. this American school institution has been heightened with victory for its first time in its 121-year history. It's the war in the Pacific all over again. It's so exciting. I mean, it, it, just so we're clear, he, they race in a conference called the Prairie League Conference, uh, and I'm pretty sure that Michael Landon was once the president of it. <laughs> and in fact, it's, it was such a notable achievement uh, that Asher will not be featured in the photographs of the event because no one realized that that day was conference championship day and half the team went home early. So so he has a medal and a plaque, yeah. which we can use to prove this boast. But if you look at the team photos, you won't see their number one runner in the photos Due to his... Because he's so fast. He was home before the race was over.
0: <laughs> he, uh, look, they'll, they'll be
1: claiming it because
0: he's done his constitutional test, hasn't, hasn't he? So they'll, they'll be saying he's American now.
1: He is American. I don't know if I mentioned that last time. He is officially American. Uh, he has joined the Citizenship Corps. He has got his Social Security's number. And then uh, today in his civics class, uh, he scored 140 points on a 135-point test in constitutional aptitude. So how can you get more points than the test? Because people are terrible at math in this country. (laughs) Uh, Bonus questions. He was the only person to ace it. He got the entire test 100% correct and then answered both of the bonus questions.
0: How can an Australian do better on US constitutional history than the American kids? Because, this is my theory... He read it. Well, they relied on the fact that they had taken it in by osmosis.
1: That's exactly how I think most civics education goes here. People just say, that's not constitutional. And they think, well, that must not be constitutional because they said it. Because no one's ever actually gone back and read it. (laughs) In fact, you know, I I think I can't be sure, but I think he took a call today from the White House trying to get some clarity on Article 2. Yeah. Hey Asha, it's uh, it's Donald here. Yeah, can I? Is it true that I have absolute right to do whatever I want? Not not exactly, sir. <laughs> Are you sure? Because Article Two says something <laughs> like that. Wow! But you know, so we were very proud about that, and then um, and then he, and then he did very poorly on a test of American landmarks. So we have to travel. <laughs> Isn't it holidays there now? You, you you'll have to take him traveling. It is the onset of all things holiday in America right now. We are at the precipice of Halloween, which I had forgotten is a very big deal here. It is a very big deal. All the neighborhood already, jack-o'-lanterns alight every stoop. There are witches and scarecrows hanging in doorways. (laughs) The local supermarket, I was just at the supermarket, and as I shopped, all of the displays for Halloween are being put up with all the pumpkins and the candy uh, and all this feeds right into Thanksgiving. So all the Thanksgiving accoutrements is being laid out. But Halloween still takes precedence. And you know how serious it is when every single employee in the store was totally in the Halloween spirit. Because you could see them shambling around like zombies with lifelessness behind their eyes. <laughs> as they built all these displays with so much holiday vigor. Are you going to buy some candy to hand out? You have to. You have to. Otherwise, my house will be egged and toilet papered and otherwise cursed by a variety of adolescent hijinks. I bought, I've already bought 10 pounds of various handouts, uh-huh. and I've got the hose hooked up just in case because that thing of trick-and-treat,
0: I don't think they do the the trick thing much in Sydney, really. You know, it's mostly the kids come to houses they already know. They already, you know, the parents know the parent, and they, and they take the candy. I don't think there's much, you know, maybe sometimes, but there's not much egging of houses and stuff. But that's serious in America, is it?
1: Serious, serious business. Uh, you cannot be seen to be a cheapskate in the candy stakes. Uh, they work with some very big collection vessels, uh, they come in packs, and toilet paper is cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Get the squirrels behind them if you're not careful. That's right. But it's it's grand fun. Uh, in fact, there's a huge parade. The whole the whole town is building a big parade. There'll be a giant parade uh, right through the center of town uh, on Halloween. Uh, the school has a float in it, um, and all the students march and wear T-shirts and hand out candy to the the associated masses, and then that all breaks up about twilight, and we all go back to our houses for the onslaught of the kids who are now all fired up in the parade and their costumes charge down the street. I've been warned that this is a very into Halloween. In fact, I might talk about that next week, I don't have time now, but this is one of the most haunted cities in America. Okay, we'll put that down for next week. And and I want to talk
0: about how this combines with American Christianity, which is such a big part of the country and why this very this country that takes religion so seriously also takes this kind of, you know, weird witch worship so seriously.
1: Well, yeah, you can't have one without the other. I think, you know, in some cases they combine them. You know, Easter, which, of course, is the great Christian celebration of the crucifixion into the resurrection, uh, is celebrated with candy. Um so this is just a practice. <laughs> candy. Everything candy. Anyway, we're coming to Thanksgiving. Uh I think it's mostly I probably should have thought harder on this. I'm not I need I haven't seen it in a long time. I've gotten kind of used to the casual way of the Australian Halloween, so I'm a little overshot. But here's an example, uh as a joke. Uh not a joke like a joke joke. I mean like as a thing that made me laugh. I was in a Uber and uh as a joke I said to the Uber lady, uh this town i hear is quite haunted and she said oh no i there's you know i don't i don't believe in that sort of business you know ghosts are you know silly tales i don't believe in that at all and there was a long pause i think it's demons demons are real this hmm? place is full of demons <laughs> i don't believe in ghosts uh it's actually demons <laughs> that's the reality of the situation here we are overwrought by demons
0: <laughs> what do you think she made by, meant by demons
1: I think she meant creatures from hell that only the crucifix and the love of Jesus will repel. I think that's what she meant. It wasn't a sort of political commentary on the White House. No, no, she didn't seem like she cared much for Washington Belt politics. She seemed concerned about the nature of roadworks in Alton, the lack of money that Uber is paying, and the demons that are affecting the people she deals with on a daily basis. You don't think it was just the arrival of two Australians in town? I don't know that causation is proven by causality. Oh man, I screwed that up. Do <laughs> <laughs> you, know you know what the saying is? I'm trying to say. No. <laughs> Correlation. Correlation is Cor- not causation. Correlation is not causation. Exactly. The arrival of the two that Australians in town. If I
0: yeah. Okay. Said that right. That would have been very funny. Doesn't 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 necessarily
1: indicate the arrival of the, of the demons.
0: How, t- talking
1: about. But they the... take it very seriously. I think I literally now that I'm thinking about it hard because even the churches get involved. I think the churches you know they love the pageantry and the fun of it but i think secretly there is a not even secretly i think right on the edge this is them fighting satan mm. with candy yep so they're saying
0: hell is real repent come to church sunday
1: yep yeah, and then throw gumballs and candy corn get back devil <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hey, uh, talking about the arrival of the Australians in town, how's your employment going? Last time you were here, you were telling us that you'd got this commission job at the local community radio station trying to, well, kind of sell advertising space.
1: Uh, that, that is, uh, as we say, a limited opportunity. I am uh, doing what I can. I have talked to some very big movers and shakers in the business world of Alton, and uh, they are... Uh, to a man and woman, uh, beautiful people uh, who know what they want and know what they don't want. <laughs> <laughs> you're advertising. And they are very quick, tell me what they don't want. And what they don't want is to talk to me about advertising.
0: <laughs> but maybe you're not being charming enough, Tommy. I mean, maybe there's some technique you're missing.
1: Here is uh, here, the, here is my theory. I have an empathy gene and I feel that, that may be something you need to switch off in the world of sales. Because <laughs> you feel... Because for, when somebody you see, says you, to me in a faint yeah. voice, oh, man, are you selling something? Part of me lights up inside and thinks, yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get out of your way. <laughs> I'll get out of your way. So I'm trying to turn that off. I'm trying a new approach where I come in apologetic. If, Look, sir, if you just take a meeting with one of my associates, I will I will go. <laughs> <laughs> Play a pity party. We're coming into Columbus Day, so we have a big weekend. We have a long weekend this weekend. Our Monday is the celebration of the Discovery of America by the sailor Columbus. In Mm -hmm. 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. So we celebrate our Italian shipmates' discoveries uh, on Monday uh, by having a day off school and a day off work and a day off advertising. Will there be candy involved? Hot dogs. Hot dogs and hamburgers and long weekend corporate barbecues. Because they all it's just a chance to build up for the diabetes onslaught of Halloween.
0: Is there any event in America the American calendar which is not associated with the consumption of junk food?
1: No, I think Halloween is actually, I made a joke there. I think Halloween is actually uh, where we start to build up our tolerance for sugar as we approach Thanksgiving, in which by the time we get to Thanksgiving, you know a month later in November, uh, we are so sugared up that we need to put marshmallows on sweet potatoes just to get a kick.
0: Can all 20th century, in particular, American history, be understood through the prism of the consumption of too much sugar? Maybe all those invasions of countries
1: would have, would not have occurred if everyone had been on a proper diet. It's hard to argue. It is hard to argue, and I can't help but think, it feels like it should have been like an advance, sort of an attack on America, not that I'm in mean, any way... Encouraging or suggesting that that should happen, uh, but it does feel that Canada could very soon make a move and just round us all up because they're quicker and faster, and we can't really keep up with them physically. <laughs> now all they got to do is just run us down a hill, and that's it. No one's coming back up. Well, if you see anyone in blackface, duck because it's probably the it's prime minister of Canada. Yes. Yeah. But by the way, it's not a costume. It's not a costume.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, you know, congratulations on, on Asher. Um it's very pleasing to see the Australian arrival in town has resulted in a sporting victory so so rapidly.
1: That is going to be celebrated this Saturday. I get to be introduced as his father at the senior celebration of cross country during the halftime of this week's uh, football game. So this this event will not go unheralded. Mm-hmm. Very exciting.
0: So a young man who was in a wheelchair, sometimes when he was growing up, has given
1: birth to a son who's a cross country champion. That's a saga, isn't it? It is a saga. I remember one of my furnace memories of him as a toddler was running through the park away from me. It was an omen. <laughs> Even as a two year old, he could beat you. Well, that assumed that I took off. Mostly, I just yelled, "Hey, get back! Hey, <laughs>
0: hey!" <laughs> We shall see what the week brings, Tommy, but thank you very much. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you for another Letter from America.
1: Happy Columbus Day, Australia. He would have discovered you too if you had gone the other way. <laughs> see you, Tommy. Bye-bye. Now, with a special Letter from America
0: with Tommy Dean. And, of course, there'll be another Letter from America with Tommy Dean next week on ABC Radio Sydney.